Yo, yo, welcome to Let's Talk Knicks, the podcast where we talk New York Knicks basketball and other news around the NBA. I'm Jason Talbot, and with me is none other than Marcus Chinqui. Marcus, how are you? I'm feeling pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good. How's pretty it going? good. Jason? I'm feeling great. Uh, could be better, uh, Knicks with a one and two start, but, you yeah. know, it happens. Uh, we have... A little bit of a recap of this week with the New York Knicks. Game one, season opener, Knicks versus the Hawks. The Knicks win 126-107, but the Knicks set a franchise record in the second quarter with 49 points. Tim Hardaway Jr. led the team with 31 points, 10 for 22 from the field, along with Kevin Knox's home opener, only 10 points in 24 minutes. Talk a little bit more about that later on. Game two, the Knicks took on the Nets. Losing in a close one, 107-105. Cantor with 29 points, 10 rebounds. And once again, Tim Hardaway Jr., 29 points, but only 10 for 25 from the field. Game three, Knicks for Celtics. Last night, another heartbreaker. 103-101 to loss, where Kevin Knox left early with an ankle injury. Luckily, x-rays are negative. Looks like it won't be too big of a deal. Still waiting on some news on that. But a lot of games in week one. We learned a lot. Uh, Marcus, why don't you start us off? What did you learn in week one of New York Knicks basketball? So week one, uh, I actually went to game one on a Wednesday night against the Hawks. I was in the garden with the fans, got a free oh, t-shirt. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, looking at the team, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to be in the, be in the garden Amongst people, you know, and it was kind of a, a strange feeling because <laughs> there weren't that many people there, but we were loud and proud, the ones of us that were there. We uh, got to see the Knicks put a little shellacking on the worst team in the league, which they should do, which was nice to see. Uh, you know, it's weird. when uh, This always happens to me when I'm at games. Is I never pay attention to the score because it's not up on the screen in front of you the whole time. So all of a sudden, I turned around, and the Knicks are up by almost 30 points, and they put up, yeah, 49 points in the second quarter. And people were, I was just like, whoa. Well, they did all this with Ron Baker on the court? Like, this is, <laughs> this is, what, this is what's happening now? But, uh, yeah, I liked, I liked what I saw. You know, they were playing quick, controlled, like not too crazy, except for when uh, Ronnie B was out there with nowhere to go. Oh, but, Baker. God, he is tough to watch. It was uh, it was an exciting experience. You know, I hadn't been in the garden for a long time, so just to be out there amongst uh, my people, it felt good. Got uh, those shirts they leave on the seat for the for the home opener. Snagged about five of them, so I'll, <laughs> I'll send you one in the mail. Uh, yeah, and I think for a first game to put up those numbers, you know, Tim is looking comfortable out there. Cantor, I feel like is he should be an easy like. 15 and 10 guy like every game because you know he just you know his ball as Clyde says the ball gravitates to his hands on the boards he and does he those easy putbacks uh one thing I thought was a little a little much is that I mean I get it for a first game Fizz played almost everybody I think he played what 13 guys 
And midway through the second quarter, I'm like, wait, why is everybody playing, you know? But Yeah, it was great to see the first game. I mean, the energy to set a franchise. I mean, if you would have told me the Knicks were going to set a franchise record in points scored in a quarter uh, with a new team that hasn't really played together uh, and, you know, with their best player uh, not playing, uh, it was just really, really fun to watch. And I think David Fisdale was true to his word about what he was trying to do with this team. They were moving the ball, the energy up and down the court, um, as you said, loved it with, you know, one thing I used to not be able to stand with past net coaches were always like, put this guy in the game. I want to see some of, some of these guys on the bench that were hyping up all in the offseason. And Fizdale said, hey, we're going to run these guys and people are going to earn spots. And we saw a little bit of everything. And also, as you said, let's keep in mind, this was the Hawks. And as we start <laughs> to talk about these other games, you start to realize, okay, not every team is the Hawks. Um, last episode, I made a bold prediction that the Knicks would finish in dead last. I think the Hawks might hold on <laughs> to that one because – Whoa, baby, are they trash. Uh, they are real bad. So, and it's cool that, like, you know, he says he wants to run and gun and play that sort of style. We have the youngest team in the league. You know, if these guys have these, they should have the energy to be running constantly up and down and up and down. And if you want to swap them out, you swap them out for someone who's, what, half a year younger? So it's, uh, it's good to see all of that. Like, Fizz has energy everywhere. I'm afraid he might pull a hammy oh, out there. because he's, yeah. he's jumping great. up and down. It looks like Nadal out there kicking the leg up and fist pumping all over the place. But it's <laughs> um, like, it's a couple games in, calm down. <laughs> yeah, so so let's talk a little bit more about uh, what we've learned from this. You know, we're obviously first game opening night. We were, we were really uh, excited about it. Games two and three, two very tough losses um, let, let's get right into, I mean, I do want to talk a little bit about Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, I, last episode, again, I gave him a, a pretty hard time. He, he got my can't stand you, uh, segment awarded to him because of the things he does. And I will, I'll give him credit where credit's due. I think in the first three games, he's actually played pretty well. He's clearly the guy that Fisdale's putting his trust in. He's the guy, he's the vet. He's the guy everyone looks to at the end of the game. They want to give him the ball for the last shot. And I think that's also what's wrong with this situation is that <laughs> he, I don't think those last two games are close without Tim Hardaway there. So I give him that credit. But yep. then you watch the last couple minutes of the game and it's all of a sudden we're forcing it to him. The whole, everyone knows that we're trying to get the ball to Tim Hardaway Jr. And the ball movement stops. The chucking starts the I mean him defending at the end of the game too where Fizz wants to give him the confidence to do that Fizz I love you but he can't play defense and (laughs) I'm watching the Brooklyn Nets game and you hear Clyde who I love we're going to talk a little bit about Clyde later on too he's saying make him go left Force him left, force him. I mean, Clyde always giving you those. Clyde bits knows. Of, he knows of information. This game. He knows what everyone's supposed to do, but somehow nobody else can figure it out. Uh, and in Hardaway's defense, you know he didn't get the help defense that he needed. But one on one, you gotta lock him down. That was the difference between winning and losing that game. And if you want to be, if you want to be the guy while KP is out, you know you gotta play some defense. And it's looking like teams know it. He's a slight guy. Like, he's a skinny dude. Tatum is, like, 
what, five, six years younger than him, and he's about twice his size. So it's like, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, it, it's yeah. Defense would be nice, and and again, I I see the the chucking shots at the end of games, and as I said, like he's he's contributing a lot to this team, and and especially without KP, he's needed and he's playing a large role in this team. But when it comes to closing games, I think Fisdale is he eventually going to get frustrated and give up on this guy? So again, we're rooting for him. We'll, we'll, we'll I mean, see what happens. It's that time of the year when you should, you know, it's early on. Just like let him, let him see what, let's see what he has, and you know, eventually he'll 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 get tired of getting scored on. I hope, you know, and he'll figure it out. But if he doesn't, you just can't have him in there. You gotta have Lance or somebody in there defending those last possessions because yeah. teams are just gonna keep going at him. So, so let me ask you, uh, sticking with the starters at this point, um, I think we're both not crazy about the starting lineup. We've gotten off to some slow games in each of the first three. And, you know, that's partly because KP just isn't there. So we have to work these lineups. I understand they're bringing in Lance for the defense. But part of me, if Knox is better, I'd like to see Knox out there because we're stagnant on offense. It, it doesn't seem to be working. I don't think it's going to get better uh these slow starts kind of will kind of hurt after a while you know why not just get in that energy right off the bat uh how are you feeling about that it's a pull from uh clyde you know you can't be playing catch up the whole game and then you burn all your energy out where you can ill afford to trade hoops at the end you know you gotta try to get stops and you're putting so much energy to get back into these games that you don't have anything at the end and I feel like the last few seasons we've kind of run into we've always had an issue where there's one guy who's out there strictly for defense and can't do anything else. Uh, Corey Brewer comes to mind. Yeah, where he's cool. just like there and like why is he out there? And he can't shoot. He can play a little bit of D, but they get off to such slow starts that we're uh, we're just playing catch up the whole game and it's it's frustrating. You know, I don't think Lance scored a point. Uh, in the second game, or was I, like, I the first of the second I think you're, game? I think you're right that yeah, he didn't score like, at all. And oof, which didn't. you know he's there for the defense, but you know a bucket would <laughs> would be maybe, nice. Maybe needs to get get a haircut. You know, get yeah. Rid of that. I think it could be the hair. I think <laughs> the new the new duo. I he's mean, trying to, he's trying to Lance, look young look out good, there but... with that little a little midi fro and a little uh, taper <laughs> up there. It's like no, just go down to that clean Caesar. Go back to what worked for you. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so. The other guy in the starting lineup I want to talk a little bit about is let's talk Frank. We didn't get a chance to talk about him episode one. You know, the stats, they're very mediocre. Uh, a little bit, he's a little bit in every column, but not double digits anywhere. But I don't know about you. When I see him on the court, I really like what I'm seeing. He is contributing. He's plays great off the ball defense on the ball. He just seems to be getting involved, tipping passes. Uh, you could tell he could be tentative still a lot of the times, but he the confidence it's growing. I'm seeing it more and more, and I just I like seeing his development. And I think this guy is a high ceiling, and I I just want to see him even out there more. I want I want. I want to see him. He didn't get to play at the end of game three at all. I was a little upset. He wasn't having a great game, but 
I want to see him go through those growing pains because I think this kid is going to be a key to the Knicks' success moving forward. Uh, I mean, I guess to a degree, I agree with you. To a degree, I agree. But, um, <laughs> you know, he's it's surprising that he's not out there at the end of games, which was a little surprising. But I've seen flashes. I've been, I've been hard on Frank all last all season. I was pretty hard on him. And I didn't like what I was seeing. I didn't know if this was a great pick or not. You know, he's great length. He's got a good body. He's put the weight on. But he does look more comfortable out there, I'll say. You know, he attacking the rim a little more. I don't want him shooting all these jump shots because... It's a little goofy looking. I'm not going to lie. But, hey, some were falling. He got in a rhythm uh, in game two where he was looking good. Saw a little emotion, a little passion. I mean, that's that's all I want. I was like, oh, baby, let's go. I want some fire and desire, you know. This is... He's not a precocious neophyte anymore. (laughs) He's he's in his (laughs) second year. (laughs) He's got to he's got to come with a little bit more, and I think it'll come throughout the season. But he's uh, yeah, you know, he's all right. I know you've been you've been a little harder on Frank uh, since the beginning than I have. Um, I've been a big believer in this guy, and I, I want to see this all the way through. So it's nice to hear you come around a little bit. I still, a little bit. I can hear bit. it in your voice that you're still kind of like, eh, should have taken Dennis Smith Jr. Might be a little heavier <laughs> than that, but I, I'm still a believer. Um, the other thing that I learned from watching these three games is I really have gotten to know this Knicks bench, a guy like Alonzo Trier and Von Ley. Whoa, baby, this guy, 6'9", 250 pounds. Um, he's shooting 70% from the field. I mean, mostly your layups. But Mr. Efficiency, I mean, he's looking like a young uh, Clarence Weatherspoon or I don't know, but this guy, he was I mean, a is that good? Pick. That young spoon? Young, no, uh, I mean, young I, Othello? <laughs> I, 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 let me take that back. Uh, he was a ninth pick by the Hornets in 2014, so a lot of lottery guys on this team. That was a big thing the Knicks went out and did. Guys who were underperforming other teams or couldn't find you know their role. But these are young guys, and a guy like Vonley, we're all about Mitchell Robinson, who's kind of looking a little shaky, hasn't really played too many minutes, but Vonley is just efficient. I mean, he's bodying up, too. Down low, I, I, really thing, I didn't realize like, like what I'm seeing. His body type is good. Like he's been in the league a couple of years now, so he's uh, he understands the game. It's like when I was watching it last night, I was like, oh, he's not looking too scattered out there. He's under control for the most part. But what he said at the off season, he's a rebounder. Yeah. And oh yeah. He like crashes the board. So one thing, the one positive we can give Anis Cantor is that he can rebound the ball. But when he's not in there. But, like, we can't catch a break. And even sure. against the Nets, we got out-rebounded like crazy. So it wasn't 55 to 36. Like, that's, rebounded. Brutal. that's not how you win a game. So to have yeah. a guy like Vonley in there, you know, it's it's nice. He can get a nice little soft jumper in there, a little hook shot in there every now and then. I like it. You know, it's a, he could develop into something. He's got, he's, we're giving him a good shot. What do you think about Alonzo? Isozo. Iso Love Zo. the nickname. I mean, Clyde just, ooh, Isozo. <laughs> I mean, it's just there for him. It's, it's a beautiful play. Hardaway to Trier. Trier drives down and throws it down. Could it be crazy to say he may be the rookie that really takes a leap? Like, this guy goes undrafted out of Arizona. He's looked more comfortable than Kevin Knox out there. 
I'm just, I'm going to say. I mean, you, you, you're right. You're absolutely right. Kev, Kevin Knox is, I still like what I'm seeing. He, he didn't have a very good first game, four for 15. He only scored 10 points. He's been a little shaky. You've seen the jump shot come in and out. Um, yeah, he looks you really like just like his frame and his body knocks and what he eventually can bring. But Alonzo Trier, this guy can play basketball, and he is tough to guard. I mean, the passion, the hunk, that, that throwdown uh, that he had, whoo! I'm like the the garden was ju- like lifted when that one came out. That's one of those we were just like, oh my god, let's go. That's what I want to see. You're absolutely right. He's the standout rookie so far. Uh, and I think, am I going to go as far to say he, by the end of the season, that we'll still be saying, you know what? Alonzo was the draft pick of, of, of the year, not Kevin Knox. I mean, I I would love that for be, to be the case because I still think Knox is going to be a great player and Mitchell, uh, you know, can contribute. Yeah. He just looks under control. He looks comfortable out there. He could get a shot off easily. And like you said, tough to guard. So I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that kid. I mean, will he be the starting two? Or do you want him coming off the bench with that energy? I don't know. but Well, I think these guys are, are so young still. And as Fizdale's even saying, we're st- the Knicks are still figuring things out. And we're not going to know. I mean, I see a future with the Knicks where once Tim Hardaway's con- contract is up, bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you, Tim Hardaway. Bye-bye. But if you just wait. Bye-bye. 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 God, I'm yeah, so it makes me a little uneasy. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Tim Hardaway. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because your dad, he was on the yeah, heat. Timmy Sr. has all these games. You know, I, don't, I don't love it. Yeah, and well, do me a favor, who's ever working the camera at the Knicks games, stop cutting to Tim Hardaway Jr.'s dad. Like It's like <laughs> 10 times a game. Give me a break. What? It's just... Show me... Uh, who'd you say was at the game during the Hawks that you saw? Who stayed uh, Dr. Ross? <laughs> <laughs> no. Was it Tracy Morgan? Uh, Tracy Morgan was there. Nate yeah. was there. David Lee was there. Yeah. Yeah. Your boy Saquon Barkley, I saw at the. Uh, he was there last game. night. Yeah. Lance giving him some high fives. Lance um, high fives everybody. So I don't <laughs> do with that. He's, he loves it. All right. So, so overall, we a pretty good week one, I would say. You know, the Knicks, they were in every game. I mean, they lost. The point differential after three games is, is in the plus. Uh, they. Lost by two close games. I mean, the Celtics game, I think, was closer than probably what it should have been. But it's nice to know that we can be close in those games. That's really what you want. And then hopefully can grow and learn how to close. Uh, that Nets game really just got away from them. They should have won that game. Uh, they they only turned the ball over twice. Three times. And when you do that and one it looked fight. like they were getting outplayed, being rebounded so much. When you don't give the ball up like that and losing that wave with the last possession, that was really rough. So would have but loved to have seen the next It was two one more one. crucial turnover at the end by your boy, Timmy. Yeah. He just it, threw the ball away. And... It, and that's what I said about him, too, where he'll win you a game. Like, I mean, the Hawks, he single-handedly was just destroying them. They couldn't get back in the game. But they're also a terrible team. And then two close games. You know, you want – right now, he, he is our best player uh, right now. Uh, maybe Cantor a close second. Uh, Mr. Efficient. That might be my new nickname uh, for Enos. Ennis Cantor. Excuse me. I keep, I keep wanting to call this guy Enos. I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, so, all right. That is week one. 
All right, Marcus. Let's talk a little bit more about our Nick fandom. How did it all start? I mean, it goes we're back. both from New York. Well, starting yeah, with right. that, I'm a Long Island native. You can probably hear it in my voice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Long Island. There's got to be a guy, one guy on a podcast from Long Island. I think if there wasn't, that would be weird. Um, it all, uh, I want to say, yeah. My dad used to watch them, so we just started watching all the games back in early 90s at a young age. So the Knicks were just, those 90s Knicks teams were just coming Brooklyn up. Brooklyn native. Yeah, oh, yeah. Born and raised in Brooklyn, so that's the team to root for. We're not rooting for any Nets out here. That's why I tell people, you get a New Yorker, and when the Nets came to Brooklyn, you will not convince a Knicks fan to start rooting for the Nets. It's just not going to happen. And it's Don't you hate the Nets more now that they're in Brooklyn when they used to be in Jersey? I do. Like I didn't care that they were in New Jersey. Jersey yeah. kind of sucks. So <laughs> like I, I was never going to go there. I went to one game out there during like the Kerry Kittles, Keith Van Horn era. Oh, got man. some like ten dollar oh, yeah. tickets to go. <laughs> the Great White Hope. <laughs> oh God, the trade of the century right there. <laughs> Nick's nightmares. We'll have to do a segment called Nick's Nightmares. A lot <laughs> of those. We still got one more before Halloween, so we'll see what we can get in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, what's um, I feel like, feel like one of the coolest things I got to do though as a kid was we actually played the National Anthem at a Nick game when I was in the sixth sixth grade, I think, the old Packer Brass Choir. Shout out to Packer Collegiate Institute. Uh, yeah, we got... To, I think they did it every year, and that was part of the reason why I wanted to be in the Brass Choir because I heard they go to the Nick games. But I'm out <laughs> there. I got a... I got a... Some, I leaned on a mustard stain. I got it on my pants, and I was already knew it was going downhill from there. But... <laughs> Yeah, we got out there, and it was awesome. They bring you out on the center court. You're standing on the logo, looking up, and all of a sudden, like while we're mid playing, I put a honk on a C sharp that you could hear <laughs> probably through the entire arena, and the conductor just gave me dagger stares, and I was just like, "Oh my god, stop playing!" I just like I fingered the rest of it, but I didn't put a single note out there after that, <laughs> and he was just glaring at me the whole time, and then. Luckily, on the way out, got a pat on the back from a Nick City dancer. And oh man, yeah, that that alone okay. will make you a Nick fan for life. Yeah, so I was all right after that. Got I think they were playing Orlando. Got to stick around for the rest of the game, and yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, a pretty cool flashback to uh, one of my Nick moments. So, what about what about you? What do you what stick what sticks in the memory in the memory bank for you? Oh man, I mean, you know, even being a young uh, a young child back in the year of 94, you know, the oh. first Knicks, that's when I first, I think everyone was into basketball. I mean, it was Jordan was taking over the world and the Knicks with Ewing and Mason and everybody loved John Starks. All the kids just, I mean, Starks was like the I guy. I saw him the other night um, in front of the gate. He walked right so, by us. Oh, like, it's, oh man. It's like, is that John Love Starks? seeing the Knicks around. Where's he going? He's running all over the place. It's great. And so, you know, that's really when it got into it. And it was just, it was all over New York. I mean, if you didn't know who the Knicks were, I mean, people need to realize, like, New York is a basketball uh, city and town. People love their basketball in New York. So, and then just as I got older, I mean, you know, the early 2000s, the spree, Houston, that's when I really started getting into it, that run they made after the lockout. 
and you know watching nick games with my dad same kind of thing it was listening to to clyde man i mean that guy you just learned so much about the game and his voice and it, it, swishing and dishing swooping and hooping you just it's addictive the guy anyone outside of new york listens to this guy and i'm like what, what's wrong my with vocabulary him? wouldn't <laughs> be what it is if i yeah. was listening to the cloud you know what's funny when i was in seventh grade sixth or seventh grade I threw out a lackadaisical on somebody, <laughs> and they're like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And I was like, "You don't listen to Clyde when he's calling." That's common games. language. That's just that's, that's a common word that we use in our vocabulary. I mean, it's like it's just what uh, we know, you know. <laughs> so yeah, that's re- it. It's just my Nick fandom grew and grew, and unfortunately, you know, after the two thousands, uh, Alan Houston uh, was my guy. Uh, got a little Alan Houston story. Uh, actually, when me and uh, when Marcus and I first met, uh, we met in ad school, both work in advertising, Shout out. and in Atlanta. And we went to a Hawks game together. This is when the, the friendship was, was first forming. And across the way, we see Alan Houston. Boy, we got to go say hi. And we look, we look down, and we're both wearing Alan Houston jerseys. We're like, okay, we got to go say something. <laughs> so we got over, we met him, uh, we took a picture with him. And then we reach for that Sharpie to get that autograph. And we're like, oh my God. (laughs) So we have Alan Houston jerseys with no autographs. Uh, We did, however, when we worked together at the same agency in Boston, got to go on the floor. Marcus, always getting those hookups. I don't don't know how he does it. You got to schmooze, you know. You got to get those producers. You get your things. (laughs) We got on the floor. And what do you know? We're both wearing Amari Stoudemire jerseys. And look who it is. It's Stat. <laughs> and this time, we did have a Sharpie. I still got my autographed jersey. Uh, and that was just such a great time, getting to play on the floor, meet the players. We're down there on the floor, and people, like, can't – there's a barrier back there that people couldn't get past. And we were standing up there. And you see Stat walks by, and he's signing people's stuff and everything. And we're like, should we just, like – go up to him and say something because we were right there and no one else could get by us. So I just went up and tapped him on the shoulders like, hey, Stat. And he was pumped. Like, he was feel. He was like, oh, my God, you guys, you got my jersey on? Let me set you up. He put. He took the Sharpie out, learned this time, never be again without a Sharpie. And yes. uh, Amari, he signed the – he's like, let me do it right. He signed on the numbers and gave us, some, gave us a pound and we got – Two autographed Amari Stoudemire jerseys. And... Yeah, and that was actually, if I'm not mistaken, the game where Jeremy Lin got one of his first minutes before Lin Sanity took off. No? Or that was a different game? It was the year before that. That was, oh, <laughs> man. Oh, man. I was actually all, all, kind of, all these Nick moments blend together. Uh, but, yeah, we're, I mean... And since then, we—I mean—we've been through it all. We—we we used to watch games. Uh, we were roommates for a while too, watching games where Jared Jeffries was in the starting lineup, and we're, <laughs> we're rooting for Chris Duhan, and you know, oh, it just God. brutal. And we—and we watched. We still we watched we every just game. We love the Knicks so much, and it, it hurts. We don't know why, uh, but here we are. Here we are once again. The one and two Knicks. Now we're doing a podcast about it. Like we have problems, but <laughs> we're not the only Nick fans out there. We know some of you listening. We don't know. I don't, do you know? Do you have an answer of why? I would say it's like it's like is it Clyde Frazier? Is it all in, because you know? of Clyde? It's, it's hard because they you know they're gonna break your heart, but we just keep coming back 
asking for more, hoping for the best. And you know, we should be on Mori dealing with these guys. But it's, you know, Clyde's part of it. God bless him. You know, like, that's... He's the heart and soul of the Knicks. You ask anybody who's the all-time greatest Nick. Oh, number 10. you're absolutely well, right. Frazier. Yeah, I have friends, their their fathers, they, they always say, I wish you could have seen Clyde play basketball. This guy... Um, so they love him even more doing the games because they actually, you know, I've seen clips here and there, but we'll never know. You know, we didn't grow up with that. Uh, we're still a little too young for that. But listening to um, him, we know he knows the game. And that's oh, yeah. why he's not coaching. He probably doesn't need to. He loves his life. But He, he told Timmy, force him left. Force him <laughs> left. He must have said it five times. And I'm like, oh, he's going right. Okay, <laughs> okay so um, another favorite moment. I think that we both could share of the Knicks. I mean, there's the LJ four point play. There's uh, just the, the Allen Houston running floater. That might that might be my one of my all time favorites. But um, something that a, a Knicks moment that can kind of segue nicely into something that happened this week was the Knicks Heat fight. And fists are flying at the other end. Larry Johnson is one of them. Here we go. Oakley and Morning have at each other. With Van Gundy getting out there, taking <laughs> elbows. I mean, the way the NBA used to be. We got a little taste of that this week during the Lakers-Rockets game. Um, of course we have to talk Lakers and LeBron, right? Your favorite topic, Marcus. This, you uh, love talking This LeBron. is a LeBron-free podcast. <laughs> I, will, uh, I will not be saying his name during this podcast, I'll tell you that. So lucky with this. This is actually LeBron... Didn't really have anything to do with this. nothing to do with this. So we don't have Um, to talk about it. (laughs) So I want to, yeah, I want to talk about this fight again because we love, I mean, I don't know about you, I love seeing this kind of stuff. I think a lot of people say the NBA is so soft now, this and that, oh, you can't foul them, and like people, like a scuffle, you're out for 10 games, whatever the complaints are. I mean, this was Rondo, it started with Ingram and James Harden. Uh, Harden was doing his typical go to the basket and kind of give you that elbow, shove you out of the way. Ingram was annoyed. Ingram comes back, pushes Harden, and then behind everything else going on, Chris Paul points his finger in Rajon Rondo's face, and Rondo was not <laughs> having it. Um, and but Rondo what? just started throwing throwing fisticuffs, and it, it was good. Chris Paul. Get your damn finger out of my face. You can't have that. Although, from what, uh, from what Breen claims he heard, he says Rondo spit in his face. Really? I didn't see any of it. I'm looking at all the different angles on the camera. I didn't see any spit going into Chris Paul's face. Maybe he said something or he was talking a little heavy and maybe a little spit came out. But that was like it, it went fast. And Rondo clocked it with the left hand. I was like, whew. Kind of felt good, you know. You know, Chris Paul is kind of a dirty player, and he, he gets under people, and he does yeah. little things. And he knew you do not only point your finger in someone's face. He he had that finger he was on. <laughs> yeah, that dude. You're gonna get punched in the. That's what's gonna happen, man. You're gonna get punched <laughs> in the face if you do that. And of all the people you pick, you pick Rajon Rondo, dude. He's he's, he's gonna come after you. Yeah. Slap me, bitch! You 
Bitch, I will take you out. When you hear that that bell ring and you just start swinging and Breen's like, oh my god, punches have been thrown. Things are gonna, <laughs> the people are going to start getting suspensions. It's going to be great. And I was like, ooh, big fan. Love it. It was great. I love, I love it. I love the tenacity. I love just NBA, let's go, all the regular season haters out there. Um, and you might even be seeing a Houston Lakers uh, rematch come playoff time. I still believe it, even with an 0-2 start from the Lakers. Uh, I'm I'm still a believer. <laughs> that could um, be like a 2-7 matchup. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, e- hey, either way, still be a matchup. Maybe. So let's gear it back a little bit uh, to the Knicks. Let's talk big Knicks news of the week. There was a lot of things that went on. Number one, let's talk the KP contract. Now... The news came out that the Knicks were not going to extend Kristaps Porzingis' contract this year. They're going to wait until he is a restricted free agent. Now, what this does is this does allow the Knicks an extra $10 million in cap space for next year. So I think that's the strategy. And I, I personally think... That that's it. That's as simple as that. They're going to offer him the max, and that'll be it. Are you concerned at all that this could be a huge mistake, and they just should have got it done with? And forget the ten million. Is that really going to matter anyway? I mean, I get it. I get why they did it. But if you had asked me last year, I would have said I'm very worried. Because, yeah, KP's brother is kind of a wild card. And you never know what he's chirping in his ear to go elsewhere and do this and that. But I still think at the end of the day, KP is probably going to stay. But if somebody comes, someone's going to offer him a ton of money. And you got to wonder, is it going to handcuff the team to pay him all that money? And then we can't get anybody else. Because all this talk about... You know, we're trying to get two max free agents next year. One of them is going to be KP. So really, we're only getting one. Well, one other free agent. So Well, you're right there. I think that the Knicks will only have enough for one max player. And that's what this, that extra 10 is going to help with. Because I think the max we have now is maybe 30 or 31 or something like that. And factor in that extra 10, now you can get a guy like... I don't know. I'm just going to pull a name out of the air. Kevin Durant. And you could pay him that high 38, 39 million and things start to fall into place. But sure. Then you, you never know because yeah. uh, that crazy... Well, the beauty of him being a restricted free agent is that the Knicks can match any offer uh, from any team. Now, I am suspecting that there's no question the Knicks are going to give him the max. So there's not going to be any issue. Kristaps Porzingis is going to be re-signed and he's going to get max money. They're not, so no other team can even uh, compete with that to begin with. But you know, then, what, you know what's interesting though that I, I, I saw is that number changes depending on how many games he plays this year. Because if he, he's got to be getting, as a starter, you can get a higher max. And he's still low on, he's got to play at least, I think, 30 something games. Okay. This year, in order to qualify as a starter to get that max. So that'll affect how much money he can then make. Yes. Yeah, so if he doesn't play at all okay. this year, that could be an issue. 
So, something to think about. Yeah. Even, even so, I mean, I, I think they'll resign him, they'll get it done, and the Knicks will go after players and free agents. Maybe no one will come. And maybe <laughs> In classic Nick fashion. A little foreshadow. That might be where I'm leaning, is uh, we're just going to be building this team. But, but uh, speaking of contracts, there is one that has come off the book, well, almost come off the books, and that is Joakim Noah. Oh, God, hallelujah. Got stretched, got... Uh, Release from the team, they use the stretch provision on him, which still kind of handcuffs us a little bit, but he's not on the team anymore and isn't going to be a huge hit. So that, I got to say, praise the Lord and thank you, Jesus. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> we can get rid of, rid of this guy, you know. his sal- He was getting paid $72 million over four years to not play basketball. They were literally paying him to not show up to work. Can you imagine if you had the opportunity to have a have a job and you just don't have to go and you still collect a check? I dream about it every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of a part of me is kind of impressed that he's able to do that. You know, they just send him away, say don't show up. We'll still send you a check every week. Just please stay the hell away from me. And yeah, it was a bad situation. Uh, I think, you know, they have to eat up some some costs financially. It affects the cap space and what they can do. But this was the right decision. I think you had to get rid of them. It was becoming toxic. And even just from a basketball standpoint, the guy. The worst. Can we can we say he is the worst Uh that shot, the style of the NBA now today is just, it, it doesn't fit him. There's no room for him. And another team, I don't even think he's going to, he could get picked up by another team. I don't even see it happening. If it does happen, I it, would bet it lasts a week, Minnesota maybe two weeks. The rest of the uh, old Bulls players. But. Right. It, it's, it's, you know, of the Phil Jackson era, this was the worst move and decision that was made, but... I did understand it. Now we're going to move to one of our last segments. It's a little game we like to play called... So you're telling me there's a chance. What we're going to do is we're going to fire off a bunch of questions and find out what do you think the chances are of this happening. So first question. What are the chances Kevin Knox slash... Alonzo Trier wins Rookie of the Year. I think that's 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 the change for me. Is you got to put Alonzo in there, and I think I'd give it like a thirty-five percent. You got DeAndre Ayton looks amazing, and there's a couple other just rookies that just are studs out there. So I don't know. I go thirty-five. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna give it a point zero one percent chance. Uh, I like what I'm seeing from Knox, and I like Lonzo. But as you said, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Luka Doncic. There, there's other rookies in the league who are already showing their skills, and they're gonna get the minutes. Uh, I, I'm. My guess would be DeAndre Ayton gets it, but I, I just don't. The way it's working out, and you can see the way the Knicks are shaping out to be that. You know, all the hype from, from Summer League was there in preseason, but don't think it's going to happen. Um, question two. What are the chances in his career Frank will become a first-team all-defensive player? 
And this is based on the Fisdale comments that he is working up to get Frank uh, to be there one day. I think he can. Give him give him a few more years. I'd give it uh, 75%. Wow, that's very high. You know, uh, there's not a lot of guys that focus a hundred, like so much of their time on defense. So if that's what he's going to be known as as a defensive player who could play a little bit of offense too, I think. Yeah, I'd go high. I'd, I'd give him a passing grade. I think he gets there. A C plus. Yeah, I'm, I mean, to me, that's a really hard thing to do. So I'm going to come in a little bit lower. I'm going to, I'm going to say 40%, actually. It's still, which I still think is a, a pretty high percentage because we have to see it. We don't know. He's still so young. I love what I'm seeing. Some of the numbers he even put up as a rookie. Uh, he was ranked some statistic of being like the best pick and roll defender. There were all these weird little stats uh, that this guy was showing. And I love what I'm seeing. So um, still both of us, I mean, we think it's possible that that length and the way he, he plays off ball on ball. He just, he's a great young player. So we, we hope to see that. Um, number three, what are the chances? James Dolan is on the cover of the New York post this season, kind of maybe an Oakley think- situation part two thing going on i think we could just bypass this one i don't think anyone wants to talk about james dolan <laughs> oh man i give it a zero percent chance fair. that he's on the cover on the cover I, you know what i'm gonna give this a a good 80 percent really just because james dolan always finds a way to just i mean maybe if screw his, his things band up makes and it big. get his nose and he'll be around <laughs> even if it's him playing with his stupid band <laughs> um sorry dolan not supposed to talk bad about you but he's not cutting our checks so it's all right yeah that's fine (laughs) uh number four what are the chances the ball family big baller brand will all play in the nba together minus lavar of course i got one son in the nba and two on the way i'm like earl woods joe jackson and dina lohan all rolled into one (laughs) never lost zero that's, wow. I can give that, I okay. can feel confident saying 0%, maybe 2%. I'll give him a little bit. but Well, 2% milk. All right. <laughs> a milk's chance, if you will. A milk's chance. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, Lonzo is the most talented. He, I mean, at UCLA, and even he's struggling. I think he's more concerned with his rap career. Uh, but I don't see it either. 2%. I'll, I'll go to. I'll, I'll stay there with you. I This whole... Where are they? Are they in Lithuania doing this league? It's just such a joke. Um, they're they're embarrassing. <laughs> they're in that league. They're scoring like eighty points a game because they shoot the ball like hundred and twenty times. It's ridiculous. So what are the chances the New York Jets make the playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> Don't talk about playoffs. Uh, are you kidding me? I'm actually I'm watching them right now. They're uh, I give them I give them a shot. Uh, Three and three right now. Yeah, I give them an I mean, outsider's Pats, you chance. Know, win the division, so it's a wild card spot. Three and three. Can they get to nine and seven? I think if they yeah, if they get to nine and seven, maybe an eight and eight, they could they could sneak in there. But uh, better chance of the Giants. I know that much. Yeah, the the Giants. I would say is a big a big zero. A right there. Your yeah. Giants not not doing too well. Uh, Eli, I think I think it's time to go working on that start working on that acting career a little bit more love to see him. Uh, but yeah just make the playoffs i'll give them i'll give them a shot i'm just gonna say they have a shot but not likely uh and speaking of acting careers 
What are the chances Space Jam 2, starring your favorite player, LeBron James, will be a hit? Uh, I've already said this is a LeBron James-free podcast, <laughs> so I'm not even going to answer this. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I'm going to give this a 100% chance that this is going to be a hit. Uh, LeBron was great in Trainwreck. Great movie if you haven't seen it. Bill Hader, Amy Schumer, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I think more than LeBron, you know, Bugs and Daff, you're going to be bringing it. It's it's going to be a hit. It's but it's Space Jam you know, too. I'm curious Come though. On. The kids today even know about Bugs and Daffy and the whole crew. Because when, that is a good when Space Jam first came out, they were actually still popular. Yeah. So now it's like, do they know, you know the Toot Squad? You know. I'm going to bring my 100% down to 80% because that is a great question. I. I that would affect things. Who is Bugs Bunny? Yeah, people don't know about um, taking lefts at Albuquerque. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Question eight. Will the last season of Game of Thrones be good? I'm going to ruffle some feathers here, and we might lose a couple uh, listeners. I yeah. do not watch Game of Thrones. Grunts. I've seen Thrones. four you... episodes of it, and I fell asleep. <laughs> wow! In the middle of each I, and every one of them, I would say force yourself to watch it before the new season comes out. Um, and I think there's a hundred percent chance it's going to be good. It's Game of Thrones, like possibly the best show uh, ever created up there. It's actually not my favorite. I'm more of a Breaking Bad, Sopranos guy, uh, but Game of Thrones. It's just so epic. It's it's going to be good. It it can't disappoint. Uh, winter is coming. Uh, I spent last enough time question. In, the, in the Minnesota winters to know that I don't want winter coming ever again. Yeah. <laughs> last question. What are the chances you, Marcus Jinkui, are going to win the Mega Millions at an estimated $1.6 billion? I'd say I have a 0% and... chance, but I think about it often, what I would do. What would you I, do if you won? If I what won, would you, you do? know. Uh, you know what I do? You know what the first thing I'd actually do? And this is just a personal thing. I'd go to every tennis grand slam. All four in one year. Do the chinkwee slam. You've mentioned that before. I like that. That's a very creative, uh, creative answer. So I'm going to Australia. I like that. I'm going to Paris. I'm going to London. And then coming back to New York. And it's all full circle. You I know? love that. Be fun. Um, <laughs> I would also say I have a 0% chance of winning a lotto. Uh, especially this time, because I don't even think I'm going to buy a ticket. I, I bought the last couple just to see, and, you know, I I can just flush the money right over to it. It would be the same. Um, if I won, what would I do? You know what? I would I would just probably do this podcast, because he, I'm having a great time. He loves it that's, so that's, much. That's all I want to do. Uh, so that about wraps up week one. It's It's been a wild ride. It's been fun. I think we could both agree that it has just been fun watching the Knicks. I, there's a the certain youth in watching these young guys come up, even though you know we haven't won. I still had a blast watching these games, listening to Clyde. Uh, we only had Breen for game one. Uh, hope he's back. Had a little Kenny Albert game two. Uh, not sure who that other guy was game three, but he did a good job. <laughs> uh, before, before we wrap up, we like to do a little thing where we give kudos to, to just a standout guy for the week, or, or, or gal. It doesn't matter. You really give your kudos to whoever you want. Uh, I would personally just like to give my kudos out to... 
I'm going to change it up. We talked pre-show who I was going to give it to, but we already touched on David Fisdale. I'm going to give my kudos to Ennis Cantor because I was a little unsure if we should have kept this guy. You know, I knew he was going to opt in, and then what are we doing in the future? But he is just such a locker room guy, the energy, and he's so efficient. Like, when he has the ball, I'm not nervous. He seems to always know what to do with the right thing, picks up guys when they're down, I've never seen to a me, guy he is the leader love New of York team. more than Ennis And he Cantor. loves New York. Um, I just want to hang out with this guy. Um, he he really, he is New York. He is just what we want in a player, in a guy. And to you, Ennis Cantor, you get my kudos of the week. My, my kudos. Uh, you know who I'm going to just give it up to because I've missed him. I miss him all the time when he's gone. Well, Clyde Frazier, he was in top, oh, top form. Kudos of the year. Like Kudos of the decade. When he, he comes back guy. game one, it's like he hasn't missed a step. He's been down in St. Croix, just relaxing, just getting ready to go. <laughs> and then he comes back and it's, you know, it's just, it makes me feel great watching games. Hearing Clyde tell me what's going on. And to that, I give you my kudos, Clyde Frazier. Oh, Clyde, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a love fest with Clyde always. Um, so that about wraps it up. We got a Knicks-Bucks game Monday. Marcus, what's your prediction for Monday's game? Uh, I will, in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. I want to give a quick shout-out to Steve Novak with the Milwaukee Ooh, Bucks. baby. Love some Novak. Novakane. Um, oh, the belt. I'm putting on the belt right now. You can't <laughs> see me, but I'm, it's on. Uh, yeah, I think... I think the Knicks lose this one. I gotta say, Giannis, that team put up what 130 or 140 points the other night. Maybe I mean we'll probably get a chance to score, but I want to say Bucks win 112 to 100. I like it. I uh, I also am gonna. Unfortunately, say I think the Knicks will lose this one. I think it's been nice to see these uh, two-point losses, uh, but on the road in Milwaukee, Giannis, I, I think it's going to be too much. I think this is going to be the, the first bigger loss the for the Knicks, unfortunately. So I'm kind of in the same boat here. I'm going to go with a 125 Ooh. to 103 uh, 20-point. It's, it's, it's going to get a little ugly. But uh, we'll be watching. Uh, we hope next week you'll be listening. Uh, it's been fun. We have fun lo- we, talking Knicks. We love talking Knicks, and we have a great time uh, doing this. Yeah, so thanks for listening, and uh, this is it for us. Let's talk Knicks. Oh, man, he, he ruins it. It's, it's like Hardaway playing defense at the end of the game. Two force of left. Oh, I let him go right. Uh, but uh, it's been fun, so uh, we'll talk to you next time on Let's Talk Knicks. Say go New York.